we decided to do an RV road trip to Nashville. And when we arrived, we actually arrived on Christmas Eve, pretty late at night. And we happened to have found parking right behind the Nissan stadium on Christmas morning. We woke up to the RV shaking and we feel a bomb go off. The first thing I see across the Cumberland River is, is smoke. You see smoke coming out and you don't know where it's coming from yet. Within like 10, 15 minutes, you see like 20 cars going over the bridge. And it was all very sudden. My husband and I agreed, like, maybe we should make the most out of this. Despite the craziness that's going on, and apparently this was on the news all over, despite that, we didn't know. So we started driving around and we end up going to downtown Nashville. And we are just about to find parking when we had five cops pull us over. We had two cars pull up in front of us, two cars behind us, and one next to us. Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bafni. And I'm Taryn G. Before we introduce our driver for today, we have a little quick car keeping. Because of the Thanksgiving holiday next week, there will be no episode released for next week, but <laughs> we will be resuming after the Thanksgiving holiday. So... Enjoy your time off if you celebrate, and we'll see you after that. But in the meantime, you can find extra content on our Instagram at Drive With Us Podcast, where we share our own crazy driving experiences, reels of the crazy things we see on the road, and much more. And now let's meet today's driver, Jen Amos. Jen is an award-winning podcaster, online entrepreneur, and a season three contestant on the reality podcast competition, America's Next Top Podcaster. She recently moved from San Diego, California, her home of 20 plus years to Virginia Beach with her husband and fur baby. Today, she dived into being suspected as a Tennessee RV bomber, racing on the Olympic Parkway, and shared many more crazy driving experiences with us. Let's meet Jen. Welcome Jen to Drive With Us Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, Bhavneet and Taranjeet, thank you both so much for having me. I know this has been a long time coming for months now, and so I'm just glad that you both were flexible with my schedule to have this exciting, fun, and lighthearted conversation today. We're super excited to talk to you about your crazy driving experiences, since I know you've been on both sides, both coasts of the country. Before we dive into your crazy driving experiences, what are some of the places that you've driven and where are you currently? Yeah, because I was a December baby, I actually was considered a little bit older than most of the people in my class growing up because I was held back for a year. So I was actually one of the first people in my class to actually get my driver's license. That was in San Diego, California. And I've been basically uh, from the West Coast to the East Coast in the last uh, 30, what am I at now, 33, 33 years of my life. When I've driven over here, it was a combination of my husband driving me a lot of the times, but definitely in my younger years, like my late teens to my 20s, I had a buggy. I called it, she was a green beetle, a Volkswagen beetle that I drove for quite a long time. And I have some fun stories with that car. I've had that one for 15 years before we ended up selling it. Well, that goes into my next question. How would you describe your relationship with driving? It's something you prefer or do you like being the passenger? Lately, because I have been doing some traveling in the recent weeks, I absolutely love driving. Nowadays, my commute, if I do commute, it is about two hours back and forth from where I'm currently at to where I want to be. There's just something therapeutic about being on the road and transitioning from your home base to, let's say, your workplace or to the place where you're going to be engaging and meeting up with people to driving back home and going through that mental shift from point A to B. 
to really come back home fully ready to, to rest. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I hate commuting, but I, I definitely think it's a very calming time. It's like it's your it's your me time transitioning, like you said, between work and home or wherever you're going. Yeah, absolutely. That reminds me of I remember I had a friend where it was just so normal for him to uh, commute like no big deal. Like he would meet up with me at a gym, but it was a, at least an hour drive. And for me years ago, I was all about trying to travel to things that were only five, 10 minutes away. So for, for me to hear his experience of that long commute, I, I just couldn't get it. I was like, why would you waste that time on the road? But now, especially coming out of the pandemic, or as we slowly come out of the pandemic, actually being out of the house is amazing. <laughs> and being on the road and practicing <laughs> that social distancing in a car is amazing. So I've, I've grown to appreciate the commute for sure. Have you ever been in a car or passenger in a car where you're like, oh my God, this is a bad idea. This person's a terrible driver. Oh gosh, I can't think of one at the moment. I think part of why I liked driving is because my brother actually was the first amongst my siblings to drive. He's a year and a half older than me. And I just didn't like the way he drove. Part of it was because he would really press on the gas really hard and on the brake really hard. So you were just constantly like, <laughs> you know, like, Ugh. and then you get kind of lightheaded and dizzy. Fortunately, I haven't had a, a worse situation than that in a while from what I can recall. But I think that's part of why I enjoy being in the driver's seat as opposed to the passenger seat, just because it's kind of out of your control in a sense when someone's driving, you're at the mercy of the of the turns and the weaves and, and everything. But I think it's, it's those experiences being a passenger that have motivated me to enjoy being more of a driver than a passenger. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. I feel like with our dad or when I get in the car with our brother too, I, I don't know, maybe it's just a guy thing. I'm just like, okay, whoa, you are doing this a little more harsher than I would. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, this is a great segue into your top three crazy driving stories. So what would you say are your most craziest driving experiences that you've had? I'm going to go back to my teenage years when I first started driving for the first time. It was me and one other friend that happened to have this, at the time it was like a really sexy Lexus car, just a very attractive, oh, you want to be in the passenger seat with that guy kind of car. And at the time, because I was the eldest or mainly older than most of my classmates, and I had a Volkswagen Beetle that had the word turbo in the back, meaning that supposedly it was faster. I had an ego. <laughs> I had this I had this ego about like, oh, I can drive faster and I have this really cool lime green colored Volkswagen Beetle. We we got it used, but it was a pretty fancy Beetle at the time, had green and black leather seats inside. I remember my friend and I at the end of class when we all decided to get in our cars and I don't know where we were driving, but it happened to be me, my friend. Let's say my friend's name is Jerry. That's not his actual name. Jerry happened to be driving this Lexus. And then I had I had two or three other friends in their cars. And I think we were headed toward some Starbucks or McDonald's or something, because that was a thing to do back then, go through drive throughs because you have a car. <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason, we end up going to the stoplight. It's a stoplight in a major intersection. We somehow had this idea that we should race. Let's see how fast we can go. And this is like a main road, by the way. And if anyone's ever been in Chula Vista, California, it's an Olympic Parkway was is the main street, has like four lanes. My friends and I actually happened to, to line up on this lane. And as soon as the light turned green, pressed on the gas and just started going. I remember speeding through the lanes, cutting through the other cars. I'm pretty sure my car went over 100 miles per hour at one point. And we were about three fourths of the way to our actual destination. 
when a motorcycle cop <laughs> was standing on the side of the road with one of those speedometer signs pointing right at pointing right at our cars tracking our our speed the moment we saw this cop come out i ended up pressing on the brake as hard as i could you can even smell the rubber behind me as i'm trying to slow down as much as i could but unfortunately i got pulled over jerry got pulled over and since the cop couldn't get everyone else all my other friends sped through like no big deal one of them actually had a really outdated car so they couldn't even speed to begin with it was really it was really funny when the light turned green they were just way behind but me and my friend got pulled over luckily i was pulled over for i think i went over 100 miles per hour but i was only caught for about 85 miles per hour but in an area where it was only 50 miles per hour so we were already 30 miles per hour above the speed limit that was enough for us to go to traffic school. <laughs> My friend and I ended up going to two different traffic schools. And uh, I have to say though, that I had a blast. I actually got to know my classmates. And yes, I knew I was in trouble, but I knew once I did that class, the ding would be removed off of my record. But I had a great time. Unfortunately, my other friend who went to another traffic school didn't have a similar experience. He actually got in so much trouble <laughs> with his parents. I know I got in trouble, but I, I had like a lighter attitude on it. And since then, I barely go, go over the speed limit, like maybe five miles per hour above the speed limit. So if it's 65, I go 70. But that lesson, that time really taught me, okay, there's cops out there. And you think you're on this road that's newly developed that no one is on, even though my high school was like literally down the street. What was I thinking at that time? But cops are out there, y'all. So just want to give you all a warning if you are new and driving and you think that you can speed in one of those main streets, you'll be greatly disappointed by a cop doing this to you with their, with their machine and trying to catch you for 100. But luckily, they only caught you for 85. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I, I know here in Maryland, at least, I don't know how I was over there, but 80 is considered reckless driving. So I don't know if it would be a more severe punishment than just getting traffic school and off the hook for that. I don't know like what the speed limit for reckless driving would be for over there, but it sounds like, I don't think 80 is it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. I think 90 was, was considered reckless driving. I remember the cop pulling over and he was all like, do you know how fast you were driving? And I knew what it was, but I was like, I don't know, <laughs> like you tell me. And so luckily when he said it was in the eighties, it turned out it, it sounded like it wasn't too bad. Like you pointed out, it was just, it was just traffic school. That's no longer on my record. But I, I think 90 probably was the speed limit for reckless driving over there versus in Maryland. But you got lucky. You just barely missed it. But I think your one friend who had the older car must've been really thankful. They're like, oh, well, I'm glad I couldn't go very fast. <laughs> Yeah, I was a little bitter about that because my friend, like none of my friends who and was a part of that car race, we were young. They didn't know any better. They, they, they didn't think to maybe help us in any way. Me and Jerry pretty much got the, the brunt of it in going to traffic school and dealing with that. But yeah, I remember talking to my friend about that and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I have this beat up, had me down car because I, I probably would have gotten pulled over. As I got pulled over, he drove past me because I think he was still trying to slow down. But luckily, the cop couldn't catch him because he, he can't catch all five of us, right? <laughs> that actually reminds me of something I saw one time when I was coming home. I was going in between the two campuses I went to for college and there was a police officer standing on the side of the road and he was literally just pointing at everyone like, you come over, you come over. And he had like five people pulled over. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I guess everyone else would get lucky in your case. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've never been pulled over like that ever again. So lesson learned. <laughs> 
Let's hear your second story. This was also in my younger years, probably in my young 20s, when my sister turned 18, she decided to leave home and go to school at UC Santa Barbara. So this is still a West Coast story. And I remember that I wanted to visit her on my own. And so at the time, I was still driving my green Volkswagen Beetle. It was my pride and joy. All my friends in town knew that it was my car. But anyway, I remember I went to visit her. And I decided that on the way home from UC Santa Barbara to San Diego, I was going to drive the Pacific Coast Highway. So they call it PCH out in the West. And it happened to be at a night when it was raining. I thought, I could do it. I'm a good driver. I got this. I did not have this. <laughs> I, I will let you all know now, if you ever want to drive a scenic route, do not do it during rain and at nighttime. Because the thing with PCH or the Pacific Coast Highway is it is right next to the coast. You're basically driving against a cliff the entire way from Santa Barbara all the way down to San Diego. And I just remember how petrified I was. I remember just the wind at night slapping my car and the rain hitting my window shield. And I felt this weird pressure with the cars behind me to drive faster. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the scenic route and I'm supposed to be a fast car. I'm a turbo car, but I'm scared for my life right now. I don't know if I'm going to turn in the wrong direction. It was really crazy. I don't recommend it for anyone that wants to drive home safely. <laughs> I, I probably should have taken the highway, maybe the 15, but I just remember my car moving moving left and right. And if you think about winding roads and scenic routes, you're moving like left and right and you're up and down the hill. And I was tired. So that was not smart of me on my end. You know, when you're young, in your twenties, you think that you're invincible. I was wrong, but I just remember how focused I was. I was like this on the wheel and just trying to keep my car together. I don't know how long PCH is, but it felt like forever <laughs> to be able to drive down that scenic route at night with the wind, with the rain and barely seeing the railing to keep you from falling off. Very, 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 very bad idea. One driving at night and it's like of all the times when it's raining. Oh my God. When you were driving, were you a lot on the side that was literally along the edge of the cliff? Yes, because I was driving from north to south. So the lane was on the very right. Yep, that was fun. Oh, I can only imagine. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I thought, I think in my mind, I thought it, it was a shorter trip. I thought, oh, the scenic route seems like it's less miles than taking the, the typical highway. So I thought, oh, it'll be faster. It was not faster. It was scarier. It was longer. And <laughs> I felt very fortunate. I don't know why I didn't think to pull over and go on the highway. I don't know. I think it's because I thought I could do it. I was young. I was in my 20s. I was like, I got this. I'm awake. I could do this at night. Nowadays, I go to a gas station and rest. I've learned now in my 30s, it's okay to pull over and rest. It's okay. But at that time, I thought I could gun it. And I think Santa Barbara all the way down to San Diego is a good five-hour drive. And I thought I could do it. I ended up being longer because of the rain, the wind, and my fear of falling off the cliff. Yeah, it was smart to pull over. I know at that age, you're probably like, I committed to this. I'm just going to do it, finish this where I already started. But yeah, no, it's smart to pull over because driving while tired or especially when you can't see it can be very dangerous and you're all really close to this edge too so it could have ended bad but thankfully it didn't yeah thank goodness and i found out years later sometimes there's landfall that happens at at pch because you know it's right next to the cliff when i heard those stories a couple years ago and how parts of the roads were blocked off i just thought to myself wow i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad i wasn't there at that time to experience that especially if that happened at night i mean could you imagine what would you do if this landfill or what do you call it the 
avalanche, like if an avalanche happens and you're stuck there in the rain at night, thinking that you're in your 20s and you're invincible and you can do it, I'm glad that I didn't have to experience that. <laughs> that probably would have been a hard lesson. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So I thought I'd save that for, uh, I saved the best for last because I know you guys mentioned three trips. At the beginning of 2020, my husband and I started to have this dream of eventually living in an RV and uh, just traveling, just road tripping and working off of our laptops and stuff like that. So we were pretty fortunate to have done that right before everything shut down. So March 2020, we actually took an RV road trip from Virginia all the way down to Florida for a podcast conference. And that was a fun trip, being able to drive the East Coast and see the difference between the West Coast and the East Coast, which is vastly different, everyone, <laughs> in case you've never checked out both of the coasts. I, I think the the coasts are so, 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 so different. And I think they're both worth exploring and driving up and down. So once everything shut down, my husband and I, just like with many of us, we had to stay at home, weren't commuting as much, and started to have cabin fever, being stuck at home, not having anywhere to go. And you start to drive a little crazy. And if it wasn't for therapy, I think I, I don't know who I'd be today. I'm just saying, Thank goodness for therapy. Highly recommend it for everyone. So in December, we've been stuck at home now for months from March till December. How many months is that? Like eight, nine months at this point. And December happened to be my birthday month. And I just thought, hey, let's get out of the house. Let's go do something. We decided to do an RV road trip again. We went on this website, outdoorsy.com. And it's a, it's a great website. I don't get paid to talk about it, but it's basically like the Airbnb for RVs in case anyone's looking to rent an RV. And we found this RV that would have allowed us to go for a certain length of miles. Once we got the RV and we knew the length, we started to figure out, okay, where can we go from Virginia to wherever before we have to turn around and make sure we don't go over the amount of miles we were allotted this RV. We were looking at the map and we're like, let's just, let's just go all the way out to Nashville, Tennessee. Why not? Like that seems like a good enough distance from, you know, Virginia to Nashville. So we ended up road tripping Virginia to Nashville. And when we arrived, we actually arrived on Christmas Eve, pretty late at night, I believe around 11 p.m. And we happened to have found parking right behind the Nissan Stadium, which is in downtown Nashville, right there on the Cumberland River and across the street, across from the John Sagenthaler Pedestrian Bridge. So we decided to park there for the night and we thought in the morning, oh, we're going to go drive around. In fact, we actually drove a little bit through downtown Nashville for a little bit. One street in particular we decided to go on was First Avenue, which you'll later find out was actually the place of, <laughs> of the bombing. But I remember on Christmas morning, we woke up to the RV shaking and we feel a bomb go off. At first, you're, you're not thinking it's a bomb. And so I'm looking outside. And the first thing I see across the Cumberland River is, is smoke. You see smoke coming out and you don't know where it's coming from yet. You just see this black smoke just coming out from the buildings. And you start seeing all these police cars just driving within like 10, 15 minutes. You see like 20 cars going over the bridge. And we decided that we wanted to check it out because, I mean, I think every natural human being would be like, what was that sound? Let's go check it out, right? Like, I think that's just a natural human nature thing to do. We decided to drive around the Nissan Stadium. We're still on the side where the bombing didn't happen. We're just, we're just kind of on the side of Nissan Stadium. And it looked like literally the street that we drove the night before, all the buildings, the windows shattered, the buildings destroyed, water pipes just shooting out in the air. You start to see the fire trucks and the cops trying to block off the roads. 
And we're here on the other side, just watching this all happen and, and not knowing exactly what's going on. Then my husband's mom, for whatever reason, even though she's in Ohio, calls us. She calls us within, I think, half an hour of all this happening. And she says, hey, I heard there's a bombing in Nashville. And, and mind you, this is like within the 30 minutes. We're like, what? how is she awake right now, first and foremost? Because this was happening at like 7 a.m. in the morning. And how did she know to tune in to Nashville? She had mentioned to us that I heard there was a bombing that took place in an RV. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we're actually here at the scene right now. We're across the river watching this take place, seeing this fire, the firefighters and the police handling what's going on on the other side. Then when we heard the when we heard that information, we're like, oh, okay, that was an RV. People are probably thinking about our RV now. They're probably thinking that maybe every other RV might be a suspect. We didn't actually process that at the time. We're still trying to gather everything that's going on. And it was all very sudden. My husband and I agreed, like, maybe we should make the most out of this. Like, because I said to him, like, oh my gosh, they're going to shut down the roads. We're not going to be able to go sightseeing the way that we wanted to. We wanted to be able to drive around downtown and see Nashville. This is our first time here. But let's try it anyway. Let's see, despite the craziness that's going on, and apparently this was on the news all over, Despite that, we didn't know because we were there in the moment other than what his, what his mom told us. We're like, Let, let's go sightseeing anyway. So we start driving around and we end up going to the Bicentennial Capitol Mall State Park, which is not too far from downtown Nashville. And we are just about to find parking when we had five cops pull us over. We had two cars pull up in front of us, two cars behind us, and one next to us. My husband is literally about to jump on a call to, to catch up with his family on Christmas morning. So these cops pull up and I'm just like, honey, we got some cops <laughs> here. The cops come up to us and they look at us and they sort of peek inside and they're like, hey, we got a tip from someone that this RV was driving around and they were worried that you could have been a bomber as well. We're looking at them and they're looking at us and the cop was like, but I don't think anyone would blow up a fancy RV like this. So it was one of those, I think Mercedes camper vans, like super fancy ones. And we're just like, I don't know what to say. I, I mean, yay on that person who decided to mark us as a suspect, but we got a dog, we're about to talk to family. I, I don't know what to say. Fortunately, we ended up having a good conversation with these cops and they were laughing about it. And eventually all five of them drove away. But at that point, we were like, okay, we cannot go sightseeing here anymore. So as much as we wanted to spend the day in Nashville, Tennessee, we're like, yeah, I, I think if we stay much longer, we're probably going to be a suspect again. We're probably going to get pulled over again. So let's get out of here. What a crazy experience. Oh, my God. But like, what the thought, like, what would you have been thinking, like seeing five police cars just pull up and just be like, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh, Hi. I I mean, luckily, one thing I always am grateful for is my husband. I feel like he's a good shield for these like situations. So I definitely have to give a shout out to him. But in that moment, I had all these feelings rushing through my head. I thought, okay, what did we do wrong? Did we make a wrong turn? I was just afraid. I just thought I was going to be in trouble. I, I was like, do, do I have my paperwork on me? Like, where is my paperwork? You know, like all these feelings of like, am I going to get arrested? Like, are they going to question us, detain us just because like we're an RV too? Fortunately, the, the cops were really good people. They were really kind to us and they kind of laughed about the situation. So all I could say is thank goodness. And the sheriffs were just, they were just doing their job and we appreciated them for that. Yeah. And you did mention that you were originally in San Diego and now you're in Virginia. We know that there's different types of drivers in different areas, even within the U.S. And you did mention this, that like the East Coast and the West Coast is so completely different. 
How would you describe different drivers that you've seen in different areas? I like this question because I, I could definitely give a clear example. So in California, we have something called the California roll. And what does that mean? It means that when you stop at a stop sign, you don't stop, you keep rolling. People don't do a complete stop. So they call that the California rule. Very often we get criticized for cutting people off, for giving people the bird, the middle finger. <laughs> and it just, it just seems a little aggressive out in California, at least in my experience. On the East Coast, however, at least where I live uh, in Virginia Beach, I feel like people are kind. Like people actually wave at you. I don't know about you, but I, I experienced what I call the Southern hospitality wave, where it's like, as soon as you get eye contact, you're like, oh, hello, good to see you. Like, you don't have to say anything, but it's just a wave of acknowledgement. And I, I know that people have said this differently. I'm sure DC is a lot different, but at least in Virginia Beach, I have found that people are kind. They give you eye contact. They wave at you. They even say, oh, go ahead. Feel free to pass. I've actually grown to like that. And it's interesting being back here in California temporarily to see the craziness of people speeding. I drive from Palm Springs, San Diego, which is about a two hour drive. There's a sign, there's always one or two signs that says strictly enforced miles per hour because there's construction going on. So let's say that the speed limit is supposed to be 65 miles per hour, but because there's people working on the roads, they put it down to 50. So it says strictly enforced. And you see these signs blinking, strictly enforced. I'm here actually going by the speed limit and all the cars are just, whoop, they're just driving by, like speeding past me. And I feel this odd pressure to keep up with the traffic flow. But I feel like out here, people don't care. They care more about the traffic flow as opposed to the enforced miles per hour. The enforced, like, hey, there are human beings building this road for you, so it's more convenient for you. But these cars are just like, nope, no big deal. I got to get to work. That's something I noticed. But out here in the East Coast in, in Virginia, I'd like to believe, at least from what I've noticed, that people are more uh, attentive to the speed limit. The speed limit is a little bit lower. So there's a lot of freeways where I'm used to like 65 miles per hour, for example, and some of the freeways here are 60 miles per hour, and sometimes as low as 55 miles per hour. That's a little strange to me. I'm like, oh, that's, that's really slow. But then again, I appreciate it. And I appreciate when people actually follow the speed limit. That's really awesome. I can't say that Maryland is the same, <laughs> but I'm glad that you found a place that where people are actually kind. I can imagine that California is super aggressive, but even in Maryland, I feel like people don't obey the speed limit. They don't like the signal. They like to cut you off. They aren't as kind as I guess Virginia beaches. That's interesting because I have friends up in your area as well. And very often I get this question like, oh, so people must be snobby out here, huh? Like, aren't you experiencing that? Because there's a lot of old money out here. And I'm here in Virginia beach, like living by the beach. And I'm like, no, I mean, not, not really. Actually, I feel pretty fortunate. There's just something about the friendliness of the neighborhood that we lived in that I think I, I found that hidden gem in Virginia. <laughs> but I definitely hear up in Nova, as I, I believe they describe it, Northern Virginia, that it's a little bit more aggressive. But I mean, I get it. It's more it's more tight up there. We're here, here in Virginia Beach. It's interesting because Virginia is one of the oldest states in, in America. And yet in Virginia Beach, I'm driving around. I'm like, wow, there's really not a lot of traffic here. There was a part of me that had to get to a point where I realized, I was like, oh, the reason why the roads aren't so full is because I'm not in Southern California anymore. <laughs> this is not Southern California. Traffic is not that bad out here. Yeah, I have a coworker who comes from Virginia into Maryland to work, and she often mentions how Maryland drivers like to just hang in the left lane and not move over when they're driving slower than 
cars like cars behind them and she's like why like why is that happening so is that something similar down there in southern Virginia do people move over from my experience I think so and and the only reason why I would notice it more than normal is because my husband actually lived in Europe for about a decade and they actually followed the road rules basically you would always stay on the right lane and you would only switch to the left just to get in front of the other car and so that's that's supposedly what we're taught to do Actually, for me in Southern California, I was never taught that. I didn't know that, just like what you mentioned with your friend, I didn't know that you should not stay on the left lane all the time. So being with my husband and him pointing that out, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that. And oh, now I can see how rude it is to stay in the left lane, especially if you're going really slow. Oh, I'm sure it's like a complete difference between the two different coasts, especially with the crowdedness of California. Now that we've heard your crazy driving experiences, let's dive into you as a driver. How would you describe yourself as a driver and would your family and friends agree? Oh gosh. Well, I think that I'm a safe driver, but I feel like my husband doesn't think I am. And part part of it actually is because when he served in the military, part of his job was to be in the passenger seat and look ahead for the for the driver to say, watch out for that, watch out for that. It's funny because a lot of times I have him drive because I've gotten so upset with him always pointing out things like, oh, watch out, slow down. And I'm like, I've been driving for nearly 15 years before I met you. Like you think I know to slow down and press on the brakes and everything. But I would say that when I'm by myself, especially in the recent weeks of commuting from Palm Springs to San Diego, I'd like to say that I'm an easygoing driver. I love going on cruise control. I love listening to music. I love reflecting. I love being able to enjoy the scenery. Although I think the East Coast definitely has a lot more lush than <laughs> than the West Coast. But I'm an easygoing, careful driver for the most part. The moment I start to feel sleepy, I have learned that you got to be a grown-up, Jen, and pull over and rest for a minute. <laughs> you cannot gun it the way that you used to do in your 20s. So I've become a more slower driver from my short car racing days. It's very easy for us to just focus on going from point A to point B. But considering how coming out of the pandemic, I haven't driven in a while. It's just been so nice to take my time and and look at the scenery and, and look at what's around me. And one of the bigger things I also noticed between the East Coast and the West Coast is in the West Coast, there is less roadkill. <laughs> so so in the East Coast, you see roadkill all the time. It blows my mind how much roadkill I see. I've seen a lot of them, and I'm sure you both have as well. And, and I'm just like, wow, that is definitely a culture shock. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the animals on the, on the East Coast versus the West Coast. Maybe it's because there's more trees out this way and they're roaming more freely. We live more out in the small town area, so we see deer all the time. Yep. And I've actually had an accident with one. So yeah, it's not it's not something you want. Oh gosh. Yeah. I remember the roadkill I used to see in, in San Diego and that was terrifying. I was like, oh my gosh, this tiny little possum, how sad. And I would think about it. It would sit with me for a while, but coming out to the East coast. And like you said, you see, you see the deer, you see the family of deer, you see the mom and the baby deers on the side. And even going down to Florida, this was the first time I've seen this pigs. There's pigs out on the Florida coast. And they're black furred. And I remember just seeing these pigs casually on the side of the road, like no big deal. It's funny because most of my experience out here, I've depended on my husband to drive because I'm like, I don't want to hit one of those. I don't want to hit a deer. I don't want to hit a pig. I don't want to hit anything else, any other big creature that shows up. It's just mortifying. Plus, I want to see how cute they are on the side of the road. Like it's cute that they just, you know, pop up there and they're just observing like, can I cross? 
but I don't want to see when it, when they actually do cross and they get hit. Yeah, it's nice when they just stay on the side, not when they come across the road. <laughs> yeah, it's like, stay there, <laughs> please and thank you. When you're talking about rolling down your windows, I don't know if you're here on the East Coast when the cicadas were out, and I don't know if they were down as far as Southern Virginia, but the big cicadas came out this year, so they recommended you not to put your windows down because they will come into your car. We definitely had cicadas in our neighborhood, but I, I definitely feel fortunate that we hadn't um, had them run in. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of aggressive drivers out in California, or even here, well, I guess you'd mentioned that there's more kinder over here in Virginia, but what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? I think my biggest pet peeve would be if they are driving beneath the speed limit. Because I'm just thinking to myself, like, why? Unless you have your hazard lights on. Imagine a car that's going slower below the speed limit. And then you want to switch lanes, but there's a truck next to you. So you're just kind of stuck, right? You're just boxed in and you're just stuck here for a while. You feel restless and claustrophobic because... Uh, I don't know about you, but it, it's scary to be next to a truck and, and to be next to a truck for a long time. And you're just like, you're like, what do I do? Do I go slower? But then the cars behind me will flash their lights at me because they're saying I'm going slow. And I'm like, but it's not me. It's the person in front of me that's going slow. I'd say another pet peeve would probably be someone making a negative gesture at you because maybe you were driving too slow and they drove next to you and they end up throwing the bird at you or just calling you a name of some sorts. I feel fortunate that hasn't happened a lot, but there, there are those times when that happens. And, and for me, my first reaction, because I, I think I always look at things in a positive light is, oh, I hope, I hope that whatever you're going through isn't so bad. Like, I hope that, I hope that moment was worth it for you to project that out on me. Yeah, the slow drivers that want to drive under the speed limit. I've noticed here that people, if they're behind a car that's driving slow, they tend to shift over to be like, it's not me, it's that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I noticed that too, actually. I never really looked at it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Like you see the car behind the slower one sort of weaving left and right. And I've definitely seen that. I'm like, oh, maybe maybe they're just trying to say, it's not me, it's not me. <laughs> exactly. Now that we heard a little bit about you as a driver, let's go back to your driving first. How would you describe your first time driving experience and who was it with? Oh gosh, I was born in December. I was held back a year because the school system said that I was still too young. So when I started school, I actually ended up being older than most of my classmates. Once I got my my permit, even though even though you're not supposed to drive other people, <laughs> my friends were so excited that I could drive. And I was like the cool kid. And so my friends, I they would always I'd always fill up my car with like my best friends, like three three at a time, four if we wanted to break the rules because there was no middle seat, but we made it happen anyway. They would try to squeeze in the middle, especially if we were just going from high school to like McDonald's. I felt like I was like everyone's chauffeur. And um, I actually enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. When you're in high school and you're the one who gets the license first, everyone's going to be coming out. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to go with my parents or I don't want to get on the bus. Can you drive me? <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> what about your driving test? Were you able to pass the first time? How was the driving test experience? I failed it the first time. <laughs> it, it took me the second time to get it. The test, like the multiple choice test really made me nervous because I, I've always been an awful test taker. But I just remember that pressure with having the, the teacher sitting in the passenger seat. And I just remember, I just remember how quiet I was. I was turning on my signal, like, you know, three houses down before I take a right and, and just making sure, like, I think my mindset at the time 
okay, remember everything. If you're going to look left, really look left, like really over-exaggerate. So the teacher can tell that you're doing what you're doing. And I think afterward, part of the critique was like, oh, you don't have to overdo it. And then of course, when I got my permit, that's when I had a, a new sense of freedom and ego. I definitely was quite cocky knowing that I was one of the few students on campus to have a car and a nice car for that matter, not the hand-me-down car like my friend at the beginning <laughs> that was super slow and didn't get ticketed. So good on him for for, I mean, that's when his car finally became useful was the fact that he didn't get ticketed like I did. In California, do you have to parallel park on your tests? I think we did from, from what I recall. And you know what? I was actually pretty good at it. Like, I don't remember a time where I wasn't good at it. In fact, it was a pride point of mine. I, I would deliberately, like, let's say, for example, park backwards in the parking lot just to show people I could do it. And my friends would always be impressed. They're like, wow, you reverse parked and you actually were in between the lines. Oh my gosh, you can parallel park. And I think part of the pride actually comes from a little fun fact about me. Uh, I was actually a military child. I was born in Japan and it's very common in Japan to park backwards, like to do reverse parking. And so kind of knowing that that was part of growing up, I was like, oh, I'm going to reverse parks. It actually came pretty easy for me. That's awesome. Yeah, we did have a guest. He's in Japan and he was mentioning how everyone reverse parks. And I'm like, oh, I would love that. I love reverse parking. I'm like, I feel like it's so much easier to get out. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a, it's like it's hard. At, I mean, it may seem hard at first, but you thank yourself later, right? Because when you're when you have to get out of the parking lot and you you know park like most people do, just pulling in, you have that anxiety of having to look over your shoulder and making sure there's no car speeding through because they're trying to find an open parking lot or open open parking spot. I definitely prefer reverse parking. You get the hard stuff out of the way so that when you're back, you just drive right out. Yeah, and I also feel like people are more patient with if you're going to park in reverse parking, they'll wait for you. Whereas if you're trying to get out, they're not going to let you out as easily. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I will say, though, that not everyone likes reverse parking. Some people actually find it extremely rude. This whole conversation just reminded me of a story. About a couple of years ago, I had quit my job and I was going to my car. But prior, But prior to that, the day before... I remember going to my car and this is before I knew I was quitting my job. I was walking to my car and I did the reverse park and there was a lady who was parked right next to me. So here's my car and here's her car parked. Wait, I'm trying to think. So here's my car. It's reverse parked and here's her car. And right. And this is the wall. And she was sitting, you know, right here in the driver's seat. Our cars were really close to each other. And so I was standing here being courteous, waiting for her to, to pull out because I could tell that she was about to, to leave. So she's staying there. And then she rolls down her window and she says, I want to see you get into your driver's seat. And I'm like, uh, why? She probably had a hard time. She probably had to go through her passenger seat to climb over to her driver's seat. And she was probably having a rough day and she was letting it out on me. And I think to her, the fact that I, par I reverse parked was so rude, it was absolutely rude. So she's like, I want to see you get into the driver's seat. And I said, like, why? What did I do to you? You know? And then I started saying like, <laughs> I was being very compassionate. So this is, I, I, I'm grateful that I have this in me, you know, even though I was raised in SoCal or Southern California, I'm glad I didn't really have this aggressive nature. But I said something like, I'm sorry that you're going through a hard time. Like, you don't know me. Why are you taking this out on me? I was trying to be compassionate. Her car was already on, mind you, like she was about to leave. So I was trying to connect with her. She ends up rolling up her window and turning off her car and just waiting. She's just, she's just waiting. And I'm, I'm, I'm still standing there. Luckily, I'm small. I'm 5'1". I did it. I like went in between. I, op I opened the do car door. I squeezed in, drove away. <laughs> I drove away. And that was it. 
Now the next day though, the day that I decided to quit, and I don't know if it was the, I don't know if it was this woman, but I remember I was I was very flustered after leaving my office. I was I cleared my desk and I came to my car and the the side view mirror, the same mirror that was the same side as this woman's from the other day was broken. Like someone had broken it. And so I had to try to like put it back in place enough for me to drive back home so I can get it fixed. But if I'm guessing right, I think she got her revenge on my car. Wow, that's a very extreme situation of where reverse parking may not work. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that we heard about your past driving experience and your current driving experience, let's dive into the future of driving. With the possibility of self-driving cars becoming a thing, maybe not sooner, but later, what are your thoughts on this and would you get in one? It's interesting. I think with every new innovation, there are good and bad sides to it. The way that I see self-driving cars is the way that I see public transportation. I think it would be nice to sometimes just hop into public transportation like a train or a bus um, or even an Uber and just have someone drive you. So I feel like with the self-driving uh, car, I think I would be open to it. I know that some people find it really extreme thinking like, oh, that's bad for the road, but we won't know uh, till we try. I do hope that they never fully eradicate us actually driving. Just like how when digital media started to take place, when blogging started to take place, one of the biggest fears people had was that newspapers were going to go away. But newspapers are still around depending on the local community that you're in. And so I'm hoping that in the future, we have a good balance of these self-driving cars, as well as still having that nostalgic feel of actually driving your own car. That feeling, that desire is never going to go away. And I don't think the actual like man-led driving experience is ever going to go away. But I would say I'm open to it. Yeah, I wonder if they would make a separate lane for like there's an HOV lane. If they would be like self-driving cars can go in this lane and people who are driving themselves can't get in that lane. Because I wonder if you mix the two onto the road, if there's so many of both types, would something bad happen? <laughs> you know, like if there's a human driving versus a machine driving next to you. I could see it. There's some highways where they have a lane strictly for the city buses. And so I, I could definitely imagine them opening up another lane. I mean, that would be great for, let's say, people with people who are with disabilities. And, and forgive me if I, I feel like there's a, a better term to describe that. But let's say for the sake of my lack of knowledge, people with disabilities who maybe can't drive, this is a perfect opportunity for them to have a self-driving car to take them through the freeway and go from point A to B. I don't see it happening everywhere. But just like there's still the winding roads that exist and there's still dirt roads in some places, I, th I think we're going to have a variety. We're, we're just going to have more options for people that want to commute. I'm not opposed to it. But at the same time, I do think the nostalgia of actually driving yourself is never going to go away either. Exactly. Yeah, I absolutely love driving. I don't know if I want to fully give that up, but... Mm -hmm. Self-driving cars will be cool, especially when you're super tired and you're like, just get me home. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Final bonus question time. Are you ready? Let's go. <laughs> if you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Ooh, one new driving law. Okay. I thought about this the other day on the road. So uh, it's not really a law, more like common courtesy. So, you know, like if someone's lights aren't working, you would, you know, stick your hand out and, and gesture like, you know, left or right with your hand. I thought about how how cool it would be to just have to just have a smiley face like a sign with a smiley face on it to point because I feel like there's so much like anger on the road but if you see this yellow emoji smiley face of a sign telling people hey I'm going to take a left I think it'd make the world a little a little happier place to be like oh they need to happily take a left or they need to happily switch lanes I am more than happy to let them do that I think it's so easy to dehumanize people when you're on the road in terms of like a rule though 
I feel like there's a part of me and I'm just saying this now because I I did get my driver's license at 16 and a half years old. But I don't know. I think there's a part of me that would think it'd be more ideal to raise the age. Maybe it's not as good for young kids, especially high schoolers who were trying to be cool like me and, and race their friends, which was not a smart idea. Uh, I think that maybe we should raise the age a little because I think it is a, a great responsibility. It's a privilege to drive on the road. And so I think that to possibly raise the age because a lot of young people don't appreciate that kind of privilege to be able to drive wherever they want. And they're thinking of being fast and furious <laughs> and speeding and cutting through lanes and stuff. And I just think that maybe if we raise the age a little bit, the road might be a little bit safer. Yeah, that's interesting. And we've had several people actually say to raise the age limit for getting your license. And I think other countries also have it uh-huh. a little higher than we do in the U.S., so I can see it where you're not as mature at that age. So you are not really thinking in terms of safety. You're just thinking like, okay, I got this license. Now I have the freedom to go do this and that. So you're not really considering all the other parts that are important to driving as opposed to just the fun of it. And I love the sign one. I think it would just make people laugh or make people's day if they were having a bad day and they just see this like emoji sign. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I do appreciate it when people have these nice bumper stickers saying there's a baby on board. Just being able to humanize ourselves and be like, hey, I, I'm just trying to switch lanes. I'm not trying to cut in front of you. I'm not trying to ruin your day. Because when you're in traffic all the time, it, it is easy to dehumanize people in a sense. You're just looking at a car, you don't, you don't see the person in it. And so it is much easier to project your frustrations on people. But yeah, you see that yellow emoji just smiling as, you, as you're trying to switch lanes. It would give people a good laugh and make them smile. Oh, I agree. Do you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would like to give other drivers? My biggest encouragement, and this is something I learned from being in Virginia Beach and picking up what they call that Southern hospitality, is to give people more eye contact when you're on the road, like give them that kind little gesture wave. That's one thing I've definitely come to appreciate out here. And it's funny coming back to California, where people don't really give you eye contact. People are just they're just on their phones and, and trying to not get eye contact with you. I brought that back. I brought that that culture of giving people eye contact and say, hey, good evening. Hello. How's it going? Good morning. And I think if we could just do a little more of those kind gestures, being on the road will be a lot better. And we can show a little more respect to strangers because that causes a ripple effect. Yeah, I love that. Being able to spread a little bit of happiness, it could really help someone's day if they were having a bad day. So that's great that you're bringing that Virginia culture over to California and hopefully it'll like pick up over there a little bit that quickly, but hopefully a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's quite awkward when like you do it and then they don't reciprocate. But you know what? I'm okay with that. At least I put some good out there and that I added some good in the world today. Yeah, well, someone has to be the first to start it. So you can start it in California and hopefully it'll pick up. <laughs> but before we let you go, where can listeners find you? Yeah, well, you can find all of my podcast shows and contact information on my website, thegenamos.com, which is spelled T-H-E-J-E-N-A-M-O-S.com. Most of my socials are thegenamos if you want to find me on there. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was really fun talking to you, hearing the differences between the West Coast and the East Coast. And I guess maybe we have to move down to Virginia Beach now. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, come visit for a day. See, see what it's like. And I, 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 uh, I can almost guarantee you that you're going to get a couple waves. <laughs> it's such a pleasure. Thank you both for the opportunity to be on your show. Jen shared some really interesting stories. And I feel like I say this with every guest. They all have very interesting stories to share. But hers about being suspected as the RV that was involved in the RV bombing. Like crazy. Crazy. <laughs> I couldn't imagine you're just you rent this RV to go on a little vacation and you have to cut it short because you're being suspected as and a potential bomber and having the police called on you it's like oh suspicious vehicle oh my god at least the the police were like oh yeah yeah there's no way that's you and then they were able to get out of it but at that point it's like uh time to find a new vacation spot <laughs> well time to not go when something like that happens <laughs> well like they were gonna know yeah but the story i really want to chat about is that lady who had a problem about her reverse parking i still what? don't understand how she had a problem like what was the issue because if you're forward parked the person next to you is reverse parked. Your mirrors are not aligned, so you should be able to open your door. I don't understand what the problem was. <laughs> Personally, what I think of is when you park into a parking space, the driver tends to park closer on the passenger side as opposed to their side to the white line so they can get out. So mm -hmm. you leave more space on the driver's side. If you're reverse parked and the person next to you is forward parked, both your driver's doors are on the same side. So wouldn't you both leave enough gap for yourself to get out? So there should be more room? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. First off, like, what does it even matter that they were reverse or forward parked? Because the car is there regardless, no matter which direction they were. You're going to have to open your door the same amount. I don't, I don't. I, just, I think there would be more room if you have driver to driver door as opposed to driver to passenger door because because and also your mirrors are not in the position where they might hit each other or you're the, like super close the only thing i can see a problem with is because her mirror is towards the front like the outside of the parking space as opposed to the inside that she had to squeeze around her mirror to get to her car as like that's the only thing i could see a problem with that but still like it's not that big of a like what the heck? i'm gonna turn off my car and wait for you to get in i was like okay bye <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would i don't think i would be mad about like that's not something that would make me mad. i feel like the thing that would make me mad is someone literally parked right next to my car and i couldn't like literally yeah. right next to the car and there was no room or they parked at an angle or something like you can't get like there's something yeah. to prevent you from getting out yeah I, I guess we're just used to seeing so many much worse crazy parking than oh my god you reverse parked <laughs> that is like exactly what? <laughs> what for those that are listening what are your thoughts on this do you agree with us or jen or the other lady what are your thoughts is this something that would bother you and which direction do you prefer parking forward First. or reverse Reverse yeah, you guys know if you've been listening for a while, we are team reverse. <laughs> but don't team let reverse. that don't let that um what's the word affect your answer. What's influence? the word? Influence your answer. Yeah, we won't hate you if you like to forward park. I will be a little jealous because I'm not very good at forward parking as I am reverse parking. Well, that was Jen. We hope you enjoyed hearing her driving stories. And just a reminder, there will be no episode next week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. We hope everyone has a great break and we will see you the following week with our next driver, Sarah Beth Wald.
Sarah has such a big heart and shared how to better deal with some crazy experiences that you might have on the road, like the time she was sandwiched in a red light accident, got her dad's car stuck in a fence, and even being followed by a group of guys. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review. It truly does help us get discovered. Thank you for choosing to drive with us and we'll see you after the Thanksgiving holiday. When I was in college and I was trying to get moved out of my apartment and clean it and I was taking my stuff to storage. It was quite a drive from my apartment to the storage space. And I noticed that there was a car following. So I started taking really fast turns and trying to lose them. And I noticed it was a car full of college guys my age at the time. And they followed. They were right on me. My heart was pounding. 